All right. So we are in this series called Love Walked Among Us. And so we've been in this series uh, since January, I believe. And the idea of this series is that God in the flesh, Jesus, came to earth and he showed us what love is. And so love physically walked among us. We see that verse in one of John's letters that says God is love. And so Jesus shows us what love is. And we've, we've taken these glimpses at these different gospel stories, and not really glimpses, we've kind of dived deeper into some of these gospel stories in order to see Jesus. Like we've looked at things that we normally gloss over, things that we normally walk by, move literal physical movements of Jesus, and we've, we've asked ourselves the question, what does that mean about Jesus? What does that say about Jesus? And so I lo- I've loved being in this series. I feel like it's caused me to go to the Gospels and look at them more closely. I hope that's true for you guys, too, that now as you read the Gospels, that you would not just look for the crescendo moment in, in each passage and story in the Gospels, that, but that you would look closely at the character of Jesus and that even the things that we often gloss over, that they say significant things about who Jesus is. I hope that that's what this series has done for you. And so we're going to look at another interaction of Jesus's today with with a person, and we're going to see what does that say about Jesus. And this interaction, I think it's a, it's a story we've all heard a bunch of times, but it's often a story that's glossed over. And so my hope today is that, that we don't just gloss over this story. So the story that we're going to be in today is, is Jesus's interactions, Jesus's conversation with Pontius Pilate. And it's not your typical Palm Sunday sermon, but I, I think I've preached every Palm Sunday the last few years, and we never do a typical Palm Sunday sermon, so it's typical for us. And so, but here's my hope, though, is we, this week is often referred to as Passion Week. It's, it's the week where we look at Jesus' passion. If you're new to the church, this is looking at Jesus' walk to the cross and his death on the cross and, and us celebrating that, and then on Easter Sunday, celebrating his resurrection. And so my hope today is almost for us to, to begin to, to walk towards Good Friday, to look and ready our hearts for Good Friday, because we're going to see, as we began to see last week in the Garden of Gethsemane, that, that love walks towards the cross. And our Good Friday service theme is actually going to be love crucified. And so we're going to look at all the ways that Jesus loves throughout the, the passion Account. And so today, as we look at this story between this interaction of Jesus and Pontius Pilate, my hope is that, that it kind of readies our hearts, it prepares our hearts, it moves us towards this remembrance, uh, the significant remembrance that we take uh, each and every year on Good Friday. And so as, we've begin, as we began in the garden last week and we saw Jesus in the garden, we, we've begun to see that Jesus loves under pressure. When things get worse for Jesus, he is still loving well, and we're going to continue to see that. And this is, this is a marvelous thing about our Lord. If we think about ourselves, the second there's any amount of pressure, we're, we're done. We're a different person. We go from Anthony to Satan in just a split second, right? Like you're driving, and someone just kind of beeps at you, and you're like, I hate that person, right? Like there's just something that happens in us, but when Jesus faces pressure, he loves well. And so here's kind of my hope for today. We're going we're gonna to take a deeper look at Jesus when he talks to Pilate. 
And I just want us to gaze at Jesus. I just want us to look at Jesus. I want to see how he loves. My hope is this, is that as we look at how Jesus loves and who he is, it would change our hearts. I think, you know, sometimes I'm kind of a bad application preacher. I'm bad at getting to the end of the sermon saying, well, because of this, here's all the things we need to do. And that's, Vince is really good at that. I think there's a a big place for that, and I think it's amazing. But today, my hope is that we would just look at Jesus and our hearts will be changed and conformed into his image. And so that's what I hope. And so today we're going to look at that conversation with Pontius Pilate, and we're going to see how the way that Jesus loves Pilate is really the way that he loves us, okay? So let's hop into it. We're going to be in John chapter 18. Uh, If you don't know how a Bible works, this isn't a joke, but there's kind of two sections, and the second section is called the New Testament, and it starts off with four four accounts of Jesus' life. And the fourth one is called John. And so we're going to be in chapter 18. So I'll give you guys a little bit setup before we get into this setup for what's going on right before Jesus is talking with Pilate. So the setup is this. Last week we saw this picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knows his death is coming, and so he begins to pray. And we saw this beautiful picture of of Jesus not wanting to experience physical death and yet still wanting to do the will of the Father. So ultimately, he did want to to die for our sins, but we saw that he wasn't looking forward to it. And so we see this picture, and as he's in the garden or leaving the garden, we see that he's jumped by Judas and and probably the temple police, so the the religious Jewish leaders, kind of the, the police or a different mob of people, whoever it might be, jump Jesus, arrest Jesus, they bring Jesus to the high priests and the different religious leaders, and they begin to question Jesus and spit on him and mock him and accuse him of things he didn't do, and they lose it in particular when Jesus is essentially saying, I am the Son of God. And so they want to kill Jesus, and so they weren't supposed to just kill whoever they wanted. They were under Roman jurisdiction, and so they had to take Jesus to their Roman leader, which was Pontius Pilate. So Pilate was a governor over the Judean region. So he was governor over Jerusalem and some surrounding areas as well. And so Pilate, a little bit about him, uh, historical records, a couple of Jewish historical records, one by Philo, uh, the philosopher, um, another by Josephus, a Jewish historian. They both were pretty sure that that Pilate was anti-Semitic. So they, they thought, hey, Pilate's racist. He, he doesn't like Jewish people. He doesn't like us. So I don't know if it, if it was like a mutual thing or what was going on, but, but Pilate didn't have a great relationship with uh, the first century Jewish people. And so that's who Pilate is, and that's where our story kind of enters. They bring Jesus over to Pilate's headquarters early in the morning, banging on his door, not even walking into his headquarters because they don't want to become unclean, and they say, Pilate, will you kill this guy for us? Just a normal thing to be asked early in the morning. And Pilate finds out that, that, Herod, that Jesus from Galilee and Herod, who's kind of a Jewish leader, he, that is over Galilee, so they send Jesus to Herod, and Herod just kind of uh, wants Jesus to do magic tricks, and Jesus just doesn't say anything, and so Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate, and the Jewish leaders still are, are demanding that Pilate kills Jesus, but Pilate doesn't want to. He doesn't quite see 
What's wrong with Jesus? So, so finally, Pilate brings Jesus into his headquarters, and they have a conversation. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to read the whole conversation together, and then we're going to kind of break down the conversation piece by piece. We'll even get a little bit interactive and see what this conversation teaches us about Jesus. So we're in chapter 18, verse 33. So the whole conversation, then we'll break it up. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? We'll stop right there. So Pilate brings Jesus into his headquarters and right away says to Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now, this is, this is a moment where we're going to get a, a little interactive here. And so I, interactive means I want you guys to actually say answers back to this question. Knowing the full conversation, knowing what we know about Pilate, do you think when Pilate was asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews, that he had this sincere, vulnerable tone? Or do you guys think he had this cynical, mocking tone? What do you guys think? Cynical, right? You see the rest of the conversation? He's cynical. He's mocking, right? Like, this is a, this is a Roman leader. He is not about to get vulnerable with Jesus. He is, Jesus described the other Gentile leaders, which is what he would be as leaders that would lord over their people. And so Pilate, I'm sure, was this sort of leader. And so when Pilate is asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? He's, he's, he's probably mocking Jesus a little bit. He's probably cynical of Jesus. He knows that Jesus isn't the king of the Jews. He, he knows that Caesar is king. And so he says, are you the king of the Jews in this kind of cynical, insincere tone? Now, Jesus' response is interesting. He says, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it about me? Does Jesus right here answer Pilate's question? No, right? Jesus doesn't answer Pilate's question. But right here, right away, if we look closely at Jesus' question to Pilate, we actually begin to see that Jesus is moving toward Pilate. Here's something that love does that we haven't talked a lot about in this series yet. Love moves toward. Love moves toward another. Love moves toward, and we begin to see that Jesus is doing this. If you, if you want just kind of a glimpse of that, think of when you see a kid who just fell down and got hurt. You're not usually like 
peace, kid. Like, right, you're usually like, let me help you, pick you up, all that. Or if you have a friend who begins sobbing near you or around you, you might even move from one seat to next to them and put your arm around them and comfort them. Love moves toward. And Jesus in this question is trying to move towards Pilate because he's saying, Pilate, are you asking me this? Are you wondering if I'm a king or are you just repeating what you've heard? Jesus wants to know if Pilate's question has some level of sincerity to it. Jesus is moving toward Pilate's heart. He wants to know what is really going on in Pilate's heart. And he's even giving Pilate space to, to be honest about that. So we see Pilate's response in verse 35. He says this, am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Pilate, is, he's essentially saying, hey, I'm Roman. I don't care about this. Your own people want you dead. What is wrong with you, Jesus? Like, this is what Pilate is saying to Jesus' question, trying to move towards Pilate's heart. Pilate says, am I a Jew? No, I don't care about this. Your own people want you dead. Now, interactive again. And the reason I have this get interactive here, and, and sometimes it feels like I'm answering obvious questions, or that you guys are, it's because I want us to slow down and look at Jesus, okay? So, interactive piece. How would you guys, and you can shout out different answers, how would you describe Pilate's response to Jesus's question? How would you describe it? Defensive? Condescending? Proud? He's avoiding the answer? I like I heard another one. Sarcastic? All of these things, right? He's defensive. He's sarcastic. He's mean. Like, your own people want you dead. Like, this, he, 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 he kind of sounds like this to me, to be honest. He kind of sounds like when a junior hire is accused of having a crush on someone, right? You're like, hey, you like Samantha. No, I don't. Samantha is ugly, right? Like, it's like, whoa. <laughs> we didn't have to go there. Like, you just say no. Like, like what is going on here? And so Pilate is defensive, sarcastic, mean. But let's watch how Jesus responds to Pilate's defensiveness and just being mean. This is Jesus' response in verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Are you guys noticing what Jesus has done here? Jesus is answering Pilate's first question, right? Jesus is answering Pilate's first question. Instead of Jesus being hurt or afraid by Pilate's uh, sarcasm, defensiveness, meanness, even kind of a threat, instead of Jesus being hurt by that, he ignores it. He actually sees that Pilate's defensiveness answers Jesus' question. 
He sees that Pilate's defensiveness kind of says he is interested in Jesus in some way. He does kind of, he is curious to find out if Jesus is some sort of king. And so Jesus ignores Pilate's defensive nature and answers Pilate's first question, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, I, my kingdom's pretty different than what you're imagining, Pilate. It's not in this world. It's not from this world. If it was, my, my, my followers would fight for me, but we, we don't fight in my kingdom. Like Jesus is answering, he's beginning to answer Pilate's first question. Jesus is moving towards Pilate's heart. He could have ignored Pilate's defensiveness or just said, well, fine, you're being a jerk. I'm not going to answer you. But instead, Jesus, who was already moving towards Pilate's heart by asking, are you really wondering? Now he continues to move towards Pilate's heart by answering what the depths of Pilate's heart is really wondering. Love moves toward. And that's what we begin to see Jesus do here. Jesus loves under pressure. I think that this interaction with Pilate would be particularly powerful for us if we admitted to ourselves how defensive we all are. Right? We, I just feel like I get in conversations all the time where either I'm giving an excuse or somebody's giving an excuse. Like you might say, hey, this happened, and there's always this excuse ready. Now, it's not always wrong to give an excuse, but I think often when we have so many excuses, it kind of shows that deep down, we're defensive. And maybe I need to speak for myself, but I'm a defensive person. There's just something in me where I just feel like I got to prove myself. People might not even be saying something to me, and there's something in me that says, I got to convince them that I'm good. I've got to convince them that I'm righteous. I got to convince them that I'm wise. And I know that that is true for so many of us in here as well. And different times in my life, God has actually put these different people in my life, godly people who in my angsty seasons, in my defensive seasons, would just ignore my defensiveness and move towards my heart and love me and care for what was really going on in my heart. That was a small glimpse of what Jesus under pressure is doing with Pilate here. Jesus is ignoring Pilate's mess and moving towards Pilate's heart. He begins to answer Pilate's question in a sincere way, even though Pilate is being so insincere. Verses 37 and 38 kind of wrap up their conversation and says this. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? So Jesus, moving towards Pilate's heart, showing Pilate love, ignoring his act, uh, like anger and defensiveness and sarcasm. Because Pilate then responds to that and goes, aha, <laughs> right? Like Pilate can't get, like he can't help himself. Aha, you are a king. I am getting the best of this interchange right now. Like this is what Pilate is, is doing with Jesus. And then Jesus 
has this kind of strange response, strange, I think, gentle response. He says, you say that I'm a king. Now, some people have taken that phrase and that verse that what Jesus said there and said, well, see, Jesus, he didn't claim to be a king. You're, you Christians, you're being crazy with it. Like, and the early followers, they were getting crazy with it. But it, it, it's a real poor reading because just two sentences ago, he said, my kingdom's not from here. Right? So clearly Jesus isn't saying, I'm not a king by saying, you say that I'm a king. So what is Jesus saying? I think that Jesus is actually kind of saying, Pilate, I am not the kind of king you think I am. The kind of king that you're talking about, Pilate, I am not that sort of king. I am an altogether different sort of king. I am the sort of king that brings truth into the world that all of those of the truth could hear my voice and know the truth. Jesus is trying to help Pilate get it. Jesus is trying to help Pilate see that Jesus himself is way beyond Pilate's understanding of of kings and kingdoms. And then Pilate kind of retorts, oh, what what is truth? What is truth anyways? How, how very American of a response. I mean, I'm sorry, I mean Roman. No, I, I meant American. How very American of a response, right? Like, what is truth? How can we know truth? How is it even possible? Your truth, speak your truth. Like, there's just like no truth in our culture sometimes. I'm like, come on. Like, some things are true. Like, it's okay. And, 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 and sorry, this is my baggage. And so... Pilate responds that way, what even is truth? And we see he just, he goes back, back outside, he speaks to the Jews, and he's just like, hey, I don't find anything wrong with Jesus. I don't find anything wrong with him. See, Pilate knew about Jesus. I don't think this was the first time he learned of Jesus. It could have been, but he knew about Jesus. He didn't think that Jesus was some kind of insurrectionist. He wasn't worried about Jesus. And so he goes back out, And him and the Jewish leaders begin to argue about whether or not he should kill Jesus. And they're going back and forth, and there's different things happening. And Pilate just doesn't want to kill Jesus because he doesn't think his life has merited that yet. And then in Matthew 27, we get this really, really interesting thing. That in this same scene where Pilate has already talked to Jesus and then kind of goes back out to debate with the Jewish leaders... That Pilate's, message, or Pilate's wife sends Pilate a message. It's in Matthew 27, verse 19. You don't have to turn there. It will be on the screen. But look what it says. Besides, while he, so Pilate, while Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Wait, What? Pilate is trying to figure out what to do with this Jesus guy. He's not sure. He doesn't want to kill him. There's all kinds of shouting and debating amongst them. And then Pilate gets a message from his wife. And his wife says, hey, I had a dream about him. Don't. Whatever you're doing, just get away. Don't kill this righteous man is, I think, essentially what she's trying to say. Now, listen. I don't know because the Bible doesn't say. I don't know if this dream came from God, but I'm pretty sure this dream came from God. 
as Pilate. Physically moves away from Jesus as Jesus was moving toward his heart. Jesus' spirit moves toward Pilate. As Pilate moves away, God moves toward. Love moves toward. And so Pilate, I imagine he begins to get a little bit freaked out by this message from his wife, this amazing conversation he had with Jesus. And then in, in chapter 19 of John, verses 7 and 8, we see uh, the Jewish leaders say one last thing to Pilate, trying to convince Pilate to, to kill Jesus. And this is what they say. We'll, go, we'll do 7 and 8. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. So Pilate has this extraordinary conversation with Jesus. He moves away from Jesus, moving towards his heart. The Holy Spirit, I believe, moves toward Pilate through this dream that his wife has. So his wife sends this message to Pilate in the midst of everything going on. And then the Jewish leaders say, listen, at the end of the day, this guy claimed to be the son of God, and now Pilate's starting to get freaked out. He didn't believe what the Jewish people believed, but he had different thoughts and ideas about God probably, and he's beginning to get freaked out. He's beginning to go, what is going on here? And we see what Pilate does in verse 9 in response to his fear. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate, freaked out, not really sure what's going on, goes into the chambers again, and this time I think he's dead serious. He says to Jesus, where are you from? Where are you from, Jesus? And Jesus, answer, Jesus just doesn't answer. Jesus is just silent. Jesus, again, he perplexes us when we read the Gospels. He never does what I would do in a scenario. That's probably good, but he never does what I would do, right? Like right then, it would be like, guess what? I'm from heaven, bro. And I would be like, four spiritual laws. Here's a Lecrae album. Like I would just get after it with him, and I would just share the gospel, and, and, and I would go there. But Jesus is, Jesus is silent, and we have to ask ourselves, why? Why is he silent? And I, I'm remembering back to earlier in the series where, where Jesus had this woman who was brought before his feet, this woman who was caught in adultery. The religious leaders were saying, let's kill her, essentially. And Jesus would ask them these pointed questions and then write in the dirt. And we talked about how Jesus was probably giving them space to consider his question, to be convicted by what Jesus had asked them, space to turn from their ways. And I just wonder... If as Pilate runs into the room here, freaked out, Jesus wants to give Pilate space to think about everything. He knows it's loud outside. He knows this might be the only quiet moment Pilate has for the rest of the day. And so Jesus is silent, I think, to get Pilate to think through this conversation he's had with Jesus. 
this note his wife sent him, and now this thing that the Jewish leaders are saying about Jesus, that he claims to be the Son of God. He's giving him space. Well, we see Pilate's response, and it's not that surprising in verse 10, and he says this, so Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate is scared. Jesus won't speak to him. And Pilate begins with the threats. He sounds like a kid in Target, right? Going like, Mom, if you don't buy me this toy, I will scream. I will scream. Or the really, like, really clever kids say crazier things. I'm not going to give them ideas. And so, uh, and Pilate's saying, Jesus, you won't talk to me. You know, I could let you go. Or I could kill you. You should talk to me, Jesus. Like he is, he's getting freaked out. He really wants to know where Jesus is from, but he's using all these earthly tools and measures to try to get Jesus to speak. And again, in verse 11, let's watch how Jesus responds to Pilate just being overall a jerk. Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. And once again, Jesus sees Pilate's fearful heart, scared heart, lashing out. And I think Jesus moves toward Pilate's heart, trying to comfort Pilate like he's a child freaking out. And he begins to answer Pilate's question. He moves out of the, the silent space he gave him, and he begins to say, Pilate, listen, you're only here because I want you here. You're only here because God is in charge. I, th- I think in a sense, Jesus is saying, do what you're going to do. And then Jesus is really, he says something very merciful to Pilate. Pilate is freaking out. You know, we know at this point he is wrestling with the idea, like, am I about to kill the Son of God? Like, he is wrestling with that. And so Pilate, or Jesus says something very merciful to Pilate. He says, he who delivered me over to you, he's the one with the greater sin, Pilate. Jesus didn't need to say this. But for whatever reason, Jesus wanted to comfort Pilate, move towards his heart and say, listen, I know if you, we know what's happening here. The Son of God is about to die, and I don't want that to weigh on you too heavily. A little bit, but not too heavily. It's just amazing to me how often Pilate has defensiveness, sarcasm, mean. He's just mean or rude or threatening to Jesus, and Jesus just completely ignores it and moves toward Pilate. So we know, we know the story after this. Pilate goes back outside to the Jewish people, and he says, this, I, I don't find any guilt in him. I don't want to kill him. I, this is not going to happen. Eventually, he gives in to their demands, and the, this famous scene where he says, I wash my hands clean of this, as if to say, hey, this isn't on me. This is on you guys, showing that Pilate felt some sort of guilt around this. And here's what's interesting. After that, we don't really know much of what happened to Pilate in history. There's a few different counts. One account says Caligula, the emperor, sentenced Pilate to death. 
Another account says he was sentenced to be exiled. The Ethiopian church, they have a very interesting account about Pilate. Is that Pilate's death was because of his conversion to Christianity. And we don't know if that's true. But here's what we do know. There is no way that Pilate could shake this memory of Jesus the rest of his life. There is no way. He could not go the rest of his life and not think about that extraordinary day where he had this extraordinary conversation, where this spiritual thing happened between him and his wife, sending this message, and, and, and that these guys claimed that he was the son of God. And I guarantee some of Pilate's soldiers told Pilate some of the things that they encountered around Jesus' death. And I bet Pilate couldn't ever shake that. And again, what's incredible to me about that is Christianity began to blow up under Pilate's watch. Like Christianity exploded and became this faith under Pilate's watch. And so I just can't help but think that every time some account of Christians doing something or being somewhere that came to Pilate, that Pilate would wonder who he had a conversation with that day. And I wonder if Jesus had not said, hey, he who handed me over to you, they have the greater sin. I wonder if he never said that. Pilate probably would have said, well, I'm, a, I'm probably a big enemy to them because I sentence their son of God to death. That's probably what Pilate would have said. But because Jesus says this, I just wonder if Pilate could go, even though I sentence him to death, maybe there's a place for me to follow Jesus. Because Pilate could tangibly remember how Jesus moved towards him in love. I don't know. But what I do know is that the way that Jesus loves Pilate here is the way that he loves us. The way that Jesus loves Pilate is the way that he loves us. Now, I've gotten to preach like three sermons in this series. And I probably shouldn't say this, but they've been my favorite sermons to preach ever, maybe in my life. And the reason is, is because I've gotten to talk about my friend Jesus. I've got to talk about how he loves, and I know that that is how he has loved me. And so I, I want us to land here looking at how Jesus loves Pilate, but understanding that's how he loves us. Right, so today we saw how Jesus, in love, moved toward Pilate. In love, he moved toward Pilate. And I can't help but think time and time again, Jesus moves towards my messy heart. Jesus ignores some of my messiness and still moves towards my heart and wants to speak to me in different ways, whether it's through his word, through his people, or by the spirit. Jesus moves toward me. And I remember when I was not sure about my faith, I was not sure if I wanted to follow Jesus or love Jesus, that Jesus moved towards my heart, the desperate pain in my heart that Jesus moved towards me, even though I didn't deserve it, even though I was just as gross as Pilate. 
And I think Jesus, he's moving towards all of you in all sorts of ways. And often we choose to ignore it. Often we choose not to, to notice it. And God, please give us the eyes to see that. But Jesus is moving towards you in all sorts of ways, whether it's through his word, whether it's through a friend in your life that, that Jesus' spirit lives in and guides them. But Jesus moves towards all of you. And this is for the believers too. Jesus is moving towards you in all sorts of ways. And we just need the eyes to see it. Sometimes we we just need to look for it. Sometimes we need to be more prayerful. I don't know. And really, that's the gospel story, right? That's the gospel story is that God saw that us humanity was a mess, and so he moved towards us by taking on flesh. Jesus, God, took on flesh to move towards us in love showing us who God is, showing us how perfect he is, Jesus moved towards us. In this, in this account today that we read, we see that how Jesus sees Pilate's defensiveness and cynicism, and he, Jesus knows the right remedy for Pilate's defensiveness and cynicism. And I, I can't help but remember all the times that Jesus saw my defensiveness and still has chosen to speak to me. That all the times I've been defensive or trying to prove myself, and he's put godly people in my life to speak to me. Jesus sees your guys' defensiveness too. Jesus sees your, even this, this thing in our culture where we just feel like we gotta prove ourselves and become better and better and better and better and better, and we're just never quite there. Jesus sees that. And he knows the remedy for that too. Jesus' remedy for that was, again, as he took on flesh and became God among us, he said the only remedy to convince them that they can't reach their righteousness is to show them my righteousness and to take on the consequences for their sin, the consequences for their lack of not being good enough. And so Jesus dies on the cross. This is the gospel story that Jesus dies on the cross. So those of us in the room that are constantly trying to prove ourselves, Jesus would say, you can't because this is how serious sin is, and I'm going to step in your place and take the consequences of sin so you don't have to. Jesus died on the cross to say once and for all to all of us, you don't have to prove yourself. You can't prove yourself. I have proven what needs to be done. Jesus, he saw Pilate's fear and he showed him mercy. Basically by saying, like, God is in control here. You're, you're not... As, as bad as you think right now, you're doing what, what you should be doing. Like Jesus, it's a very complicated thing what Jesus was saying to Pilate there. But I even remember what Jesus saw my fears. There, I had this fear of just like, I'm not the right kind of person for this faith. I'm not the right kind of person to follow Jesus. And even sometimes I feel that way now, if I'm honest. And Jesus constantly, whether it's through his word, through his people, or through his spirit, speaks to me and calms my fears, speaks to me and says, I'm bigger than your fears, Anthony. And he's doing that for you guys too. All sorts of you have all sorts of fears and things going on inside your heart, and God is saying, I'm bigger than those things. I have victory over those things. 
And really, again, this is the gospel story. All of us in humanity, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we fear death, which I think is a result of sin. I think we die because sin came into the world. And we all fear death, and you see all the time all sorts of products and all sorts of diets and all sorts of things people try to do because they're trying not to die. And Jesus said, I know that that freaks you out. And Jesus said, so I'm going to come back to life to show you that I have defeated death. And Jesus says in his word to us that we get to share in that resurrected life. That if we just trust and believe in him and what he's done, that we get to be part of that resurrection. We don't have to do anything. We just have to trust Jesus for all that he did. And we get that resurrected life. So we don't have to fear death anymore. So our fears, all the things that drive us to to chase after immortality, even though we can't, Jesus says, I can give you a resurrected life. The way Jesus loves Pilate here is the way he loves us. It's the way he's loved the world. You see the gospel flowing throughout this interaction with Pilate. Love has walked among us. I think through the power of the Holy Spirit, love is walking amongst us right now. And I think in a much more tangible way, one day again, love will walk among us. Let's pray, church. God, thank you so much for this picture of love all throughout the Gospels, but thank you for this specific one about Pilate. It's extraordinary. It truly is extraordinary how you love us, God. It's truly extraordinary how you work in our lives. God, just let us praise you for that. Stir something in our hearts, stir the fears, the doubts, whatever is going on in our hearts that makes us want to move away from you and let us move towards you. Help us to choose to move towards you rather than away, God. God, help us to know your love. Help us to know you truly. God, you are so good and gracious and kind to us. We love you and we're so thankful for you. Amen.